0: today to worship God. Yes, that is what we came here today to do. And those of you that are joining us online, I hope that you all are worshiping God along with us. Um, this is just an amazing time in, uh, in our church and an amazing time in life right now. What a time to be alive. What a time to be the church um, before, uh, before we get going any further, <clears throat> I want to give a shout out to all the people who came to our marriage ministry kickoff yesterday. Uh, the Indestructible Marriage. Um, uh, John Kelly has uh, brought this amazing ministry to us and we kicked it off officially yesterday. Uh, Indestructible Marriage. It was fantastic. Probably the best marriage thing I've ever been to. And so well done John Kelly. Good job. Awesome. And uh, our next one is going to be in April. Um, and so I want to invite all of you guys to that. Uh, second thing, I do want to reiterate that Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University is starting next Sunday. Um, I am a huge Dave Ramsey person, and, uh, and I, I love his system and try to make sure that as many people know about it as possible. Um, go to our, uh, find Kevin Mink, who bat just baptized Clay. Wasn't that awesome? Yeah? Awesome. And uh, he's our teacher for that. And, or come see me, and I'll get you all uh, uh, set up, but today the main thing we're starting a brand new series called Move, and the and the the main thing today, like Rob said, is that Jesus' first invitation is to come and see. Now, if you've been around Cattles for a while, like a lot of you have, but a lot of you haven't, then you have you are familiar with these four chairs, and what this is this is a a way of looking at Jesus' greatest challenge to us, which is to make disciples. We have chair one, which is the lost, chair two, which is the learner, chair three, which is the worker, and chair four, which is the disciple maker. And so the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about this. And this visual right here today, we're talking about chair one, the lost. All right. Um, But before before that, I want to bring your attention to this picture about what a disciple actually is. Check this out. A disciple is someone who has moved from the recipient of the church's mission to being responsible for the church's mission. Okay? That's what a disciple is. It's, It's someone who is no longer the focus but is the the actor of the church's mission, the one that makes the church's mission happen, and that is what Jesus desires for all of us. See, every now and then I'll, I'll run across a Christian who tells me they don't have to be, go to church to be a Christian, and and, and I love that. Um, they they say that I can follow the teachings of Jesus um, just as well sitting at home as I can at being part of a church. As a matter of fact, I can be better as not part of a church than I can part of a church. And I said, that is awesome. You are you are following the teachings of Jesus at your home. I said, okay, so the teaching of Jesus include Matthew 28, 18 through 20, which says to go into all the world and make disciples. I said, so you're making disciples. There's two of you, right? And they used to look at me like, um, and I said, no, 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 seriously, because you're following the teachings of Jesus. So you're making a disciple that is able to make a disciple. This is awesome. Pretty soon there's gonna be two of you. Then there's gonna be four of you, then there's gonna be eight of you, then there's gonna be sixteen of you. Man, you've got yourself a church. This is awesome unless they aren't real serious about following the teachings of Jesus. See, the only only logical end for a Christian who is following the teachings of Jesus is that you make disciples, okay? Matthew 28, 18 through 20, right before Jesus ascended, right after his resurrection, he gave us this challenge. He said, all authority on, on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. And... America is a nation. Nicholasville, Lexington, Central Kentucky, that is included in that, okay? Therefore, going to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, why would Jesus tell us to do this? Well, I want to show you guys I'm not a math major by any stretch of imagination, and so probably what you are going to see here is wrong. Okay, but I'm going to do this anyway. Let's say that I am Mr. Super Preacher, okay? And let's say that I wear a red red cape and, and I fly around and I am like the greatest preacher in the world. Yeah, I keep dreaming about that one. Yeah, okay, so let's say that through an amazing gift, God has given me the ability to reach 1,000 people for Christ every single year. Okay? I mean, that's a lot of people. Let's say that I'm in the Wayne Smith category of of, uh, longevity, and I've pastored cattle for 40 years. Somebody do the math. How many people and 1,000 people a year have I reached for Christ? 40,000! Can you imagine that? 40,000 people all right by me being mr. super preacher okay now let's take mr. Joe Schmoe down the street preacher who can't preach his way out of a paper bag who sounds like the lawyer and my cousin Vinny okay (laughs) all right well, in other words, what you guys are used to getting every Sunday, okay? All right, let's just say that that guy down there, he can't preach, he can't, he can't do anything. He is, he's boring and he stumbles over the place. Not his church, is like 10 people, okay? But let's say that Joe Schmo is able to make one disciple a year. Let's say he's able to sit down with one person per year and teach them about Christ. And he is able, because he's such a good disciple maker, he makes a disciple who makes a disciple. At the end of year one, there will be two of them, right? Because he's made a disciple. Now that disciple makes a disciple. So at the end of that year, there are four. And the next year, there are eight. And the next year, there are 16. And the next year, there are 32. And right about there, my math runs out. But by my calculations, if the, if the online exponential calculator is correct, in year 40, in year 40, now how many people do we reach over here? 40,000. That's a lot. Using this right here, by year 40, we would have reached eleven. 11, let's see, that's 100,000 million, (laughs) 11 trillion people at one disciple a year, which means there are only only 6 billion people on the planet, so we kind of overshot our mark. So so in other words, we could reach half the world in 31 years, 31 years, you could reach one half of the world using Jesus' model. And guess what happens in year 32? You reach the other half exactly. In 32 years, you would have potentially preached the gospel and made disciples to every single human being on the planet. The genius of Jesus' model of making disciples, making disciples, cannot be underestimated. This is why. At Catalyst, we want you to do, we have two things that we expect out of the people here. One, we want you to be, and one, we want you to do. We want you to be people that exhibit fruit of the Spirit love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentle self control in greater and greater degrees. That's what we want you to be. The second thing is something we want you to do. We want you to be making disciples that make disciples. Why? Because of this right here. How many of you all believe we have a world that needs to be reached? A world that needs Jesus Christ. My goodness, what would you be if you're a believer in Christ? What would you be without Jesus Christ? Man, we have a world that needs Jesus Christ. And so, guys, the simple math of discipleship is something that we should get get a hold of. Well, So if that is so effective, why then is the church not all about that? Why in the world would, would, would we get away from Jesus' model? Well, plain and simple, it's this because making disciples isn't glamorous. Something, something else is a lot more glamorous, you guys. And the church went after it. See guys, churches started prioritizing attendance as the goal. See, there are some, really, some really good preachers, people that could really bring in a crowd and, and really stir the masses and really lead people to the throne with their preaching. And they, they began to, to attract big crowds. And so all of the, all of the churches uh, that, that, were, that were making disciples looked at them and they said, well, look, they're, they're doing so much better than us. We need to start doing that. And we started, started emphasizing attendance rather than discipleship in the church. And where has it gotten us? I mean, I, I have nothing against large churches. I, I was baptized at a large church. I used to work at a large church here in town, and there's some amazing, wonderful people, some amazing, wonderful ministries that go on at large churches. I am not bashing that, okay? When I'm saying that, that attendance is not the measure of faithfulness. I'm, there, even in small churches, small churches aren't even many more faithful than large churches. There are people in this church, as wonderful as you are, that have no intention of following Jesus Christ. And joining us online. They're, you're not disciples, you're not living, your, your life looks no different than any, any non Christian. As, as wonderful as you are, as much as I love you, we all know that to be true. And so when we start prioritizing attendance as the measure of, uh, uh, of success, then that is where we lose. That's where we lose our mission. So I would like to suggest, Catalyst, in this series, that we begin doing what Jesus told us to do, and that is to go into all the world making disciples. Disciple making disciples who make disciples. If you, have, if you cannot make a disciple, you are not a disciple. You haven't made a disciple until they can make a disciple. That's the definitions we're going to be working on here. And see, the problem, guys, the problem, and I want this to sit like a weight on your shoulders. This is the problem, Okay? That everybody is here in chair one, the lost. Barring a major work of grace in your life, the salvation of Jesus Christ, this is where you are. This is where your family is. This is where your children start off. This is where your neighbors are, the lost. Okay? We have this really weird uh, uh, mindset that has invaded the church from the world. Okay, and we need to change this. The, thing, the, the mindset is this, is that we view people as good or bad. And, and most people are saying, well, well, of course, there are good people and bad people. Well, the Bible says something radically different, you all. The Bible doesn't say there are good people and bad people. The Bible says there are lost people and saved people and the default mode of humanity is lost okay barring a work of jesus christ we are lost we are not, not not just lost we are deserving of hell if you do not have jesus christ as your lord and savior you your eternal destiny is hell as, as, as terrible as that truth is, the truth of the gospel is even better. But we've got to get, we have to understand our true situation before God. This is where we are. Romans 6.15 says this, For the wages of sin is death, and the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 3.23-24 For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. What that is telling me, you guys, Everybody listen, this is, what, this is what that scripture is telling me, is that I'm not a, 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 just a bad person that needs a few tweaks to my personality. I'm not a, a person that just, you know, I'm just making a few mistakes, making a few bad choices here and there, and I just need some wisdom, and need to kind of correct some behavior. That, that, that's not who I am. I'm not a bad person in need of becoming a good person. What the Bible says is that I am a lost man, worse, a rebellious man, worse, a treasonous man, worse, a blasphemer, worse, an adulterer, and a murderer, worse, a hater of God. I am not a bad person who needs to be made good. I am a dead person in need of being brought to life through Jesus Christ. That is what I am and that's what you are and that's what every single person who's ever lived or walked this earth is and until we get that mindset you guys we will never understand why Jesus came to earth and went to the cross okay if we were just a bunch of bad people that need to be good you know mean the make you know maybe we need to clean up our mouths and and, and, and stop you know, going off on people, stop gossiping a little, if that's all we were, Jesus would not have left heaven and come to earth, gone to the cross, had nails driven into his wrists, suffered an agonizing death on the cross, and then been resurrected. If the problem was just some bad people needing to be made good, he wouldn't have done it. But because his actions showed that is a bigger problem than that. We need to understand that. But the good news, you are a dead person, so am I. But the good news is that Jesus loved you enough, loved me enough to leave his heavenly throne and become the greatest missionary of all time, taking the gospel to a foreign land, which is us, taught us how to live been condemned, crucified, dead, buried, and resurrected so that you and I would would have uh, uh, have eternal life, all right? See, guys, that's an amazing truth. That's an amazing truth, and that is the kind of mindset we need to have when we're looking at the world, that we're here, okay? I saw this really funny pic yesterday, and I posted on my Facebook page. I don't know if we've got it. It says this, if you get an email with the subject, knock, knock on it, don't open it. It's your Jehovah's Witness working from home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, ah, that's funny, I, I like that, that was great. And we laugh at that. But here's the problem, at least they believe in their message. At least they believe it. They're more passionate about spreading their false message than many Christians are about spreading the truth really are and so when we understand what the problem is then we understand the need for Jesus model of discipleship and the first thing that Jesus tells these people here is this Jesus invites the chair one person to come and see in John 1:35 35 35-39 Jesus just beginning his ministry and he said the next day John was there with two of his disciples John the Baptist when he saw Jesus passing by he said look the Lamb of God When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said, come. He replied, and you'll see. It's the first invitation Jesus makes to his disciples. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. All right? So the first thing that Jesus tells people who are lost is come and see. I'm not, I'm not signing you up for missions in North Korea, okay? I'm not, I'm not putting you as a community group leader or an elder. I'm not sending you out to preach in a church. I just want you to come and see, okay? That's it. Come and see what I'm all about. Sit here and talk with me. Let's have a meal together. I want you to know who I am, is what Jesus says. And that's the invitation that Jesus is offering all of the lost people in this room today. All right? And check this out. A few verses later, in 44 through 46, Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Um, uh, Philip found Nathanael told him, we found the one Moses wrote about in the law, about whom the prophets also wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. That gives hope for people from Nicholasville. You know? isn't, Isn't it great? And just Kentucky in general. Isn't it great? And then Philip says, come and see. So we see Jesus offering, come and see. And then one of his disciples said, hey, we found him. Come check it out. All right? See, so many people I know, I spend, I spend most of my time in church. Right? Most people I know really want to be able to lead people to Christ, really want, they just don't know how to do it. They just don't have any clue of how to lead someone to Christ. They think that they have to go all full tilt. No. The first invitation that we make to the lost is come and see, all right? Because Jesus isn't here right now, physically present, guess what he wants us to, to, to show them, show them us. It's real simple, come and see. Come over to my house. Come eat dinner with me. See how a Christian man treats his, uh, treats his wife and, and how a Christian wife treats her husband. See, see how we pray around the table. See how we communicate to each other. See how we structure our home. Come and see what Jesus has done for us. How He's being lived out with us. And it may take a couple months. May take a year or so. Come and see. Come see me. Come see what I what Jesus has done for me. If you're a single person, you know, see how a Christian single leads a life that is so radically different from the script that this corrupt society has written for you to live out. See how. See. Come see the difference. Come and see. We're not making any big asks or any big sells or anything. I just want you to come see it if you like what you see. I want to tell you why, all right? Jesus first invited them to simply walk around with them. Scripture said they spent the entire day with him. I don't know. I wonder what they talked about. I wonder where they went. I would imagine some food was involved. They were guys, right? Probably. You want to know the best time to sit down and talk and really let people come and see is around a meal. Take them out to lunch. Bring them over to your house. A meal together is a huge way to invite people simply to come and see. All right? Here's the main thing, though. Here's the main thing. If, if a lot of us would just like for me to stop preaching right now. Oh, this is awesome. So we just, like, invite people over and, and just let them come and see, right? That, that, that's it? Well, some people like to think that. Uh, you, you've heard the statement, well, Jesus hung out with sinners, right? You've heard that? Yeah, I'm going to hang out with sinners. Yeah, you know, Jesus hung out with sinners. Yeah, the same way a fireman hangs out with a burning building, okay? that, that, that He didn't hang out with sinners. He said, come and see. i got to show you a better way, okay? And, and I've, I've heard that misquote of St. Saint, Fr- Saint, Saint Francis of Assisi. Preach the gospel at all times, if necessary, use words. You've heard that. He didn't say that. St. Francis sissy followed Christ too closely to say something as dumb as that. See, guys, the... the the feeling behind that is nothing but arrogance, that, that I, I, I am so spiritual. I am so godly, that I don't need to tell people about Jesus. I just live a life and people see me and they fall over converted. No. The problem is is that we have to tell people about Jesus. We have to tell. OK? So you guys, the main thing for chair one is not fellowship. The main thing for chair one is conversion conversion remember our state before god we're lost we're dead we're hell bound even a person that is coming and seeing what you're doing and and interested is still lost and we have to understand that ephesians 2 1 through 5 says this as for you you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of air that's satan he, the, the, Paul really believes that we need to move from death to life. So there are three things that have to happen for us, for the people in chair one, okay? This is the, the, and if this has not happened to you, then it needs to happen today. And if it has happened to you, you need to learn this so you can teach this to other people, okay? All right? Because this, is for, this, this right here is where everyone starts and everyone knows someone or multiple people here. Okay, so we have to understand there's three things that have to happen in this chair if we're going to progress. The first thing is this, is conviction. 2 Corinthians 7.10, Paul writes this, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. So there there are three things, convictions. First one, Charles Coulson wrote this, In our well-intentioned effort to reach unsaved masses, We often make the gospel itself, the message itself, sound easy, unthreatening, a painless answer to all life's ills. We portray a loving God who forgives all and asks nothing in return. Now, that may tickle the ears of this pleasure-seeking generation, but it is nothing less than heresy. The gospel of Jesus Christ must first be the bad news of the conviction of sin before it can be the good news of redemption. And churches have tried to make, try to bypass this first essential step to make the gospels more palatable to America and has gotten us a, 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 a gospel in a church that is a mile wide and an inch deep. And I, I hate to say this, you all. Without conviction of sin, without being shown the error of our ways, you cannot be a believer in Christ. Someone once, once asked me, I, I'm sorry, I asked them, an older minister. I said, his name was Brad. I said, Brad, there's some people in my church that are doing things that they don't need to be doing. They're living in rebellion against, against Christ. They're not repentant. I said, and if I say anything to them, they'll leave. And he looked at me and he said, so the only reason, the only way people can say in your church is if they're allowed to go on sinning. Wow. The only reason you're part of a church is that you're allowed to go on sinning. There's something wrong with the leadership of your church. If you leave because you don't want to hear, that's 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 you. But we cannot skirt sin. We cannot, we, we can't do that. There has to be conviction of sin. And guys, the, the, whole, the conviction of the Holy Spirit can only come from the Holy Spirit of God. It cannot come from me. It cannot come from your parents. It cannot come from a friend. If it's not coming from the Holy Spirit of God, it will not work, all right? I want, to, I want uh, you guys to do something for me, all right? I want you to, if you have a long sleeve on, I want you to roll up your sleeve. All right. this, just one, all right? Now, I want you to take your pinchers, if you have a, uh, if you have, you know, uh, 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 pliers, get those out. All right. I want you to grab hold of your elbow right here, and I want you to pinch as hard as you can. I mean, like, I mean, as hard as you can. I want you to pinch, pinch, do it. Can you do it? All right. If your neighbor's not participating, grab, grab their elbow, do that. To them, you know. How's it feel? You guys doing all right? You guys doing all right? Pinch that as hard as you can. Can't feel it, can you? No. You guys, without the Holy Spirit of God working on you, you're just an elbow. Really. People can say stuff to you all day long about sin, about rebellion, about living the wrong way, and it will just slide right off of you. You may even grow resentful of someone doing that to you, but certainly it doesn't bother you. I mean, somebody could just do this all day long and you won't even notice it. When the Holy Spirit of God starts working on you, this is what happens. He moves from here to here. All right, now everybody grab your pinchers and pinch right there as hard as you can. Same force, same everything, do it. Ouch. Same force. So what happened, you guys? How many of you all have lived so long in a certain way not thinking anything of your life or your sin or your rebellion, and all of a sudden, one day, bam, it hits you, and what you're doing is wrong? How many of you all have had that moment? I have. Okay. You know what that is? That's the Holy Spirit of God who, saw, who determined it was your time to hear the gospel. That is God reaching out to you because you've heard it all your life and all of a sudden, bam, you get it and it hurts and it breaks your heart, right? It breaks your heart. You realize it's like God pulls the wool off of your eyes, pulls scales off your eyes and you realize your true state before God. It didn't used to bother you at all. That is what a conversion, that's a conviction moment. And that has to happen for conversion to take place. Okay? There has to be conviction. It, the gospel has to be the bad news before it can be the good news. We have to realize our rebellion. We have to realize our deadness. We have to realize our absolute and utter inability to save ourselves. Okay? And the second thing that has to happen is Repentance. And once that conviction hits, then the second thing is repentance. And I heard this, regret is feeling sorry over sin, repentance is feeling sorry enough to change. Okay? Regret is feeling sorry over sin, repentance is feeling sorry enough to change. Okay, I know plenty of people that feel convicted all the time and they never repent. and Their behavior never changes. Continue to do the same thing, continue to get convicted of the same thing over and over and over again soon because they get so good at not repenting, the Holy Spirit moves back over here where they can just no longer feel it. And when that happens, when that happens, you are in so much danger when you can no longer feel or hear the conviction of the Holy Spirit in your life. Right? I've spent tons of time with people who are fully aware of their sin and yet they simply can't let go they won't repent without conviction without repentance there cannot be the third step which is salvation Ephesians 2, 8 says, for it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it's the gift of God. So those of you that are lost in here, and I'm so glad you are here. This is where you need to be. Those of you that are joining us online that are lost, and the Holy Spirit has, has grabbed you right here, and shown you your sin, and shown you your rebellion, I'm so glad you're here. This is what you need to understand, that you need conversion. You need salvation. Right now, you're headed straight to hell. You are. That's not you specifically. That's everybody that is not saved by the grace of Jesus Christ, okay? So salvation happens, all right? Uh, For it's by grace you've been saved through faith. It is not from yourselves. It's a gift of God. Right now, Jesus is wanting to change your permanent address, From hell to heaven. And those of you all that that you've been a a believer in Christ for a lot of your life, here's the question. Can you lead someone through those three steps? Can you lead someone to the throne of Jesus Christ? Can you lead someone to salvation? That's the question. It's not so much, am I personally saved? It's, can I lead someone to salvation? Because... This is where most people are. See, guys, when you go from lost to saved, when you go from hell to heaven as your permanent address, what you do is you move from this chair to here. And you begin the process of becoming the disciple that Jesus wants you to be. That's what happens. All of us need to be in that process. If we care about this world, if we care about our neighbors, I care about our community, we, we want to be faithful to Jesus, we have to be involved in this process, okay? See, when you move from chair one to chair two, here's the good news. Here's where it gets great, guys. When you've gone through the process of salvation, you've gone through conviction and repentance and salvation, this is what happens. You you move from being lost to believers. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. You are made perfectly new. You are not moved from being lost bad to being good you are moved from being dead to being alive you remove you're moved from being old and corrupted and awful to being bright shiny and new that's what Jesus offers you today the old is gone the new has come you are a new creation in Christ that is what is offered that's what salvation means See, how it's amazing to me It really is amazing to me as a pastor. I'm gonna gonna invite the band to come on back up. It's amazing to me that so many people, (laughs) so many people, they're convicted, they repent, saved, and they just keep living like they used to. They're a new creation. Why would we go back How many of you all, if we had a show of hands in here, have been saved from some pretty awful stuff? How many of you all? How many of you all literally have stared Satan in the face and you knew exactly where your life was headed? How many of you all have have seen that and experienced that? Why would we go back? Why would we continue living that way? We have been saved. but You want to know why that happens? because a lot of new Christians don't have an example of someone showing them how to live differently. They don't have a disciple. They don't have an older Christian, a more mature Christian, showing them how to do it better, how to do it differently, how to live as a Christian. And guys, it's about time that we in the church... We start investing in each other. If you are not, a, if you're not lost, if, you, if you're lost, find someone to disciple you. If you are, if you are a, a mature Christian, find someone to disciple. I, in 21 years of ministry right now, I can tell you this. I have never seen more people in, de, in need and desiring discipleship and mentoring. Never in my life have I seen this many people wanting discipleship and mentoring there are people that are knocking down our door wanting mentors wanting discipleship the question is those of you that are a little bit further along in your walk with Christ do you uh, will you rise to the challenge will you do it that's what we need See, I've heard a lot of criticisms of churches. Like a lot of them are like, well, all they care about is all they care about is lost people. Oh no, all, all they do is disciple, you know, that, that church is, is empty or that church, that church is deep. Our church is so deep, we do discipleship. You've heard all those kind of things. Well, what that what they're telling me is their church is out of balance. What we need in this church, in Catalyst, we need people. The lost. We need the lost here. Do you know that? We need to be saving people. We need for people that don't know Jesus Christ to feel comfortable in here and be in relationship. We need people that are lost. If we're not not saving people, we're not doing our job. We need people who are learners. We need people who are beginning in in their walk with Christ. We need people who are workers. And we need people that are disciple makers. If we are out of balance, we're not gonna be doing our mission as a church. We should have all of these people at various stages of the walk with Christ. That's how we become a really, really good church. So, maybe you've encountered someone in the church that is uh, lost, and you look at the church and you say, "Well, I don't like that church. They're a bunch of mean. They don't. They don't even. They don't. They don't follow the. They don't follow Jesus over there." Well, you might have run into somebody that doesn't follow Jesus, but needs to be in that church, right? Or someone says, "Well, you know, they're they're uh, uh, man, they're they're just way too uh, way, way too spiritual for me. I I, I don't uh, I, I don't fit in over there." Well, you may have run into somebody that's really walked with Christ a long time, is good at making disciples. Okay, we need all four chairs, and we're going to be talking in the next four weeks about how we move from from chair to chair. Okay, but remember, the call of Jesus Christ is to make disciples not to attend a church, not to be saved. Being saved is simply moving from chair one to chair two. The goal of every Christian is to be a disciple maker. And we're going to talk about that as we go. Now, if you, have, if you are lost, if you are lost today and your heart has been stirred and the Holy Spirit has grabbed hold of the under, under part of your arm and pinched you, and you need to, you're, you've been convicted, you need to repent, and you want eternal life. I want you to come. I'm going to be sitting right, over, I'm right here, okay? I want you to come find me. If you are online and, that is, and this is, has, has gotten you, I want you to shoot me an email or, a, or a find me on Facebook or whatever. But talk, with, I would love to talk with you more about Jesus. I would love for you to go from being lost to being saved. I would love that. I will do that today. and I'll stay here as long as I have to. Let me lead you to Christ. It's, 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 it's amazing. I'm going to offer that right now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as, uh, as, as, we, um, as we are, all of us, lost, without hope, we're all orphans, we're all uh, just messed up. Lord, I pray that you would remove the excuses. I pray that you would remove the veil, that you would allow us to see what we really look like to you. Lord, bring a deep conviction on us, bring us to repentance, and Lord, save us. We, have, we can't save ourselves. We are lost. We can, o- we can only trust in you. So I pray that there, if there are people here today that need to take that step, people online need to take that step, please give them the courage and the motivation to do it. Lord, we love you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.